This is Minjot, and you're listening to the Jigmi Style Podcast, where we talk about everything from pop culture, style, and race, to politics, bad movies, and food, all with the South Asian focus. Check us out on JigmiStyle.com. Waris Aluelia, fashion icon, actor, traveler, humanitarian. We've been following Waris's career for many years now, from his days as one of the first sick turban-wearing models in New York, to his work as a designer and acting in Wes Anderson films. Earlier this year, Waris made headlines across the world when he tweeted, Dear New York Fashion Week, I may be a little late, as Aero Mexico won't let me fly with the turban. The hashtag fear is an opportunity to educate inspired many, many people and sparked a larger conversation on racial profiling and resulted in Aeromexico updating their training program. But who is the man behind the editorial spreads? I spoke to Waris about being a young man in New York, spirituality, and yeah, telling his mom about his first girlfriend. So uh, we've been following you on our site for the last five years and I followed you before then. So it's really exciting to talk to you in person. Yeah. And uh, I actually wanted to start off, um, so we saw you yesterday. Hello, listeners. <laughs> um, so, Morris, we saw you yesterday at the Indian Summer Festival, um, and it was such a fantastic conversation. Um, and I wanted to see, I, I wanted you to tell us about your first trip to a club in New York, mm. um, and about that feeling like a place that was home for you. Like, kind of talk us through that experience. Where are those glasses from? Oh. These are these are Theo Mio. They're good. They suit you. Fantastic. That color suits you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, blue with brown. Yeah. I mean, like your shirt, right? Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's a, yeah. It goes yeah. so well with brown skin. I was. Uh, we'll start off this interview with. Uh, I always like to clarify that I don't have brown skin. Oh, okay. Right. Um, I always like to say it's and for the record, uh, it's caramel. Caramel. I actually like that. I do too. I mean, I just think you know, this it's just uh, I don't think of brown as, as enticing as much as caramel. So if you're just wondering what color, you know, when you think about caramel, it, it, it's delicious. It is. And some, you know, so just we can go on from there. Okay, caramel. That I have to think of a descriptor for my skin yeah. color. I don't know if I'm quite caramel. I might be like burnt sugar caramel or something. <laughs> it's still great. It's just still delicious. It is. It's, I, I love that description. It's I like to think name. of myself as delicious. <laughs> It's a problem when you put a mic in front of me. <laughs> I won't answer any of your questions. I'll just keep saying things. That's like okay, because I, you know what? What I also loved with the conversation yesterday is, Warris, we haven't always, I haven't had a chance to see the person behind like the impeccable posed mm. photographs mm. that you have, and um, I was really pleasantly surprised. You have like the most fantastic sense of humor, oh, and you. you're so witty, <laughs> um, and it was so nice to see that. It was really cool to see that side of you, which. We haven't actually had the experience of in the past. It doesn't come out in photographs. I know. <laughs> they only talk about what I wear and, you know, it doesn't, you know, on all this, it's exhausting being on all these best dress lists. I can Don't talk about how witty I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so your first question. Well, it's about, um, you talked about going to club, like, as a teenager, and mm. I wanted to hear about that experience, like, what that felt like going into New York from Brooklyn, where mm. you grew up. Fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, exciting, thrilling, you know, like going with your, I think it was my friend John, and, uh, you know, it was summer vacation. I didn't do it during school. I just want to make sure people know that I, you know, as a good student and didn't, I would have been sleeping through class 
more than I already was. I think it's the same thing anyone would feel at 17. You know, you're going into the city and you're, the music's loud, the lights are bright, and uh, the people are strange. You know, it's, 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 a, winning, it's a winning combination. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was listening to you talk, my friend Jyoti and I sort of turned to each other as you were speaking about your experience um, of your career, but also then going back to when you are 17. And I thought, like, The Carrie Diaries is the blonde, curly-haired version of you, of your experience into uh, going into, like, New York. And then you were also in the television show, like, on the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Because it really, I was like, we're both like, Carrie Diaries. What I thought was funny is, I was, it was set in the 80s, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And it was, set up in, it was shot at Indochine, which was there in the 80s, oh, okay. which is where everyone was. You know, it, it was a very popular restaurant in the 80s. I was lo- it wasn't defined, but, you know, with Interview Magazine, which was where she, in- where she interned, yeah, yeah. which was there in the 80s. And I was, you know, somehow an editor or something like that. But, but I was essentially, uh, who, you know, I was like, so who, what's my character? I was Waris. In the eighties, <laughs> that's who I was. That's what, like, that's what, you know. It said, you know, the character name was Juarez. It's funny. It's nice that, like, that that that, that could translate to the eighties. You know, it, it, you could just take me back any decade, and mm-hmm. it, it, it'd still be me. Um, it wouldn't have to change. I've done a few TV shows where they um, they want like a New Yorker. They and and I feel pride's a terrible thing, but I feel you know proud and honored that they that they come to be come to me as you know as like you know it's a role for like a quintessential New Yorker. Yeah. And uh, there was um, a cop show, and they were every episode they were going to have a New Yorker in there. And the, for the first one, I was in there in the in the in the diner scene. They weren't you know that scene. They weren't looking. We need an ethnic guy. You know, yeah. like it wasn't that. It was just they were look. They were looking for. It's funny because there are there are clearly two types of people that just see me or see one and see an individual as who they are and their contributions to society and and not even recognizing that there is a there is some sort of difference that there is an otherness to you, and then and then there's the other side which all they see is the otherness. Um, and so life's a balance. So you know you, you, you come across both. You know when I'm giving role, giving those roles, these are people that don't see like oh you know like this will add some ethnic flavor. No, they're just looking for a New Yorker. Right, right. I'm a New Yorker. I'm from New York City. I've you know I'm, except for the first five years, which I you know as I said yesterday, I don't I don't remember. Right. So so for all intents and purposes, I was you know that began in New York. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you spend a lot of time choosing your roles. Like you mentioned that you're not going to play a taxi driver because that's not interesting. Unless it's a sexy taxi driver. <laughs> so people just, out there, someone needs to make that movie. Yeah, you know, and I think that I think that's a you know I think that's a movie that's yet to come. It's not to belittle any industry or any role. It's like it's it's a job, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and it's a it's a great job, and it, that's what you do, and it's great. It's not it's not about that. It's just about stereotyping, and, you know, and I and, and I and I haven't been stereotyped, you know, and, and the people that I work with don't see that. They see something else, and, and I'm in a in a fortunate position to be able to choose my roles. Mm-hmm. Take us through this conversation you had with your mom when you came home from your first night out at a club, and you're 17, mm. and you came home in the early morning and that interaction you had and the dialogue you had because I found it really fascinating because I was sitting next to my mom mm, and yeah. <laughs> she didn't she have react. the same opinion yeah. <laughs> I was like, she was like no I don't think so well it's addressing fears so I said to my mom what are you afraid of I get it coming home at 7am is a little bit ridiculous mm-hmm. 
for a 17 year old I, I, I admit that I'm not gonna uh, deny that but it's just like what what is it that you're afraid of what is it like let's address this now let's put it on the table and and let's see if we can come to a place um, where we're both comfortable uh, with what we're going to do and I, I just knew that having experienced it for the first time that this was going to be a part of my life mm-hmm. and that it was I, I felt something there that I um, didn't feel elsewhere and it, and, and it was thrilling and it was it was, you know, doors had been opened, you know, it was, it was Pandora's box. And, you know, and, and like any parent, you know, fear, um, you know, you're going to do drugs and you're going to drink and, you know, you're going to smoke and particularly, you know, any parents, that's, that's an issue for any parents, but, you know, particularly Indian or particularly a religious sick family, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I've never had an issue with peer pressure in terms since it's do- it doesn't, I'm not trying to fit in. You know, the same thing of why I believe I can do anything is that my mom told me. Like, what, didn't your mom tell you you could do anything? Like, when <laughs> she told me I could do anything, I took it to heart. And she also said, you know, like, <clears throat> like when you talk about sick, you, you know, you, you hear the expression, sabalak, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and so I, you know, it always been different. I didn't know anything but different. I, I went to school with, you know, and from starting from elementary school, I was the only Indian or, you know, the second Indian, the only sick you know, and so it's like it's, I'd always been different, so I didn't know anything other than being different. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, how was I going to try to fit in? Right. You know, that was that was ne- it was never an option that was given to me. So I said, "What are you What are you afraid of?" And she said, "Drugs and drugs and drinking." And I don't think she has a, that strong of an Indian accent, but it's much better if you. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, drugs, drinking, smoking, and I was like, "All right, you know, I, I won't do drugs. I don't." I don't to, I won't drink, I won't smoke, it sounds disgusting. And uh, I was like, what else? You know, and, and just be safe. And I, I got lucky because I, I you know, they had a, a parent who was willing to let me explore and learn who I was and be a part of that process. Yeah. And then she said, didn't always just talk to me with about anything and everything. And you know, she's not one of those parents that said, you know, it's if I don't know, it's better, you know, and she was <laughs> like, just tell me. Like, <laughs> if I know, it's better. And, and that took me a while too. Like it was always, it was always my limitations. It was never hers. You know, it's like even um, girlfriends. Like I didn't tell her the first few girlfriends, and I was just afraid that she's not going to be able to handle it. You know, and it's like, you know, like it's going to shake her to the core. And, you know, like <laughs> the ground is going to shake, and you know, and, and you know, now she knows my girlfriends, and she knows. That it's like my relationship with any girlfriend is better because there's a relationship with my mother, right? right? And. You know, and when she found out the first time, it wasn't even through me. It was through a friend slipped up and said something. And I was just like, oh, my God, you said what? You said he went to Home Depot with his girlfriend? What? what, what? You know, and it was, so that was my own limitation. It was my weakness, right. not hers. She was just like, tell me everything and I'll deal with it. And she dealt with it. She was just like, okay, it's your own fears. It's your own, it's your own limitations. And they, she never gave me a reason to rebel. Had she said, no, you, you, you're not going out and then... Uh, you know, then I would have found ways to rebel. Right. It right. would have worked against her. I think you're a very, very, like, smart 17-year-old because I feel like, first of all, parents, take note. This is a great way to have a conversation or dialogue with your child because um, I think most people have gone through that same experience but um, didn't come out, have the same outcome as you. Mm. Certainly I didn't <laughs> at all with my parents. Um, so the thing that I was really drawn to is your confidence mm-hmm. and you talk about spirituality mm-hmm. and your mother, family having a big role. Um, 
Tell us about the role of spirituality in, in your life, because it seems to be like a really strong guiding force for you. Um, the guide of spirituality in my life, I, I, I don't, it, it's, it's breathing. It's not, it's, not a, it's not an external, it's not an internal, it's, 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 in, it's in everything I do, it's in everything I approach. Mm-hmm. Right? We, um, just as you need to breathe, we have uh, 72 trillion cells in our body and they all need oxygen. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why we, and that's why we breathe. And I live and I've chosen to live with an awareness of, of my being, of who I am and where I am in this, in this time, in this place, and to always celebrate that moment and to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I live in a duality. I don't believe in organized religion, except I sit here in front of you today wearing a turban and a beard, which are representations of an organized religion. But for me, what what I get from it is it's it's symbolism and it's connectivity and it's 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 reminders and it's um, this doesn't neither of those two things make me more spiritual or, or holy than anyone else mm-hmm. right it, but it's funny to, to not believe, because organized religion just as government is is corrupt mm-hmm. right it's it's just by its very nature like the other another way to spell government or another way to spell organized religion is C O R R U P T I O N, right? Like it's it's flawed because it's it's human and humans are flawed. Mm-hmm. What's what's not flawed is the universe, is is energy. It's it's uh, this uh, uh, this flow that that we can tap into because there is no right or wrong. Right. right in that sense it, it, it's just a flow and it's just learning and it's experiencing and it's moving with that so um, it's beyond being human and that's what I learned from even from Sikhi from meditation from Nam Simran from what my religion teaches me if the word Sikh translates to disciple you're saying you're a student and you're a student of anything and everything you're a student of other religions as well you're, you're a student of, of, of other thought processes and right. exploration you're allowed to we're given that sort of that past to go to go learn it's, it doesn't have to stop here with what you're taught at home you're you're a student so it's all pervasive it's this you know the universe speaks to us all I'm not like I continue to stress this I'm not special like there's nothing it doesn't speak you know I don't get like a special FedEx package from the from the universe you know it's we all have that connectivity we just have to learn how to listen we just have to tune into it I chose to follow the path the universe laid out for me which was unclear it's like well you want me to go through that doorway that's dark like I don't know what's in there you know and it's like but I'll do it you know I'm I'll follow your lead. You know, you you, you have you have clearly have plans and ideas and thoughts, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to go in that direction. But it's an awareness. It's it's uh, doing everything with an intent. It's like you know the the idea of like just walking and, and and being present and breathing and being present and being being where you are and taking everything in. You know, and, and this idea of celebration. It's all it's all tied together. Like uh, you know, I I would advise you to uh, s- celebrate life. You know, until further notice, like to celebrate every, you know, until, you know, my only, you know, request is to the audience to celebrate your existence from this moment forward until other, you know, until further notice, you know, and, and to, to live fully. And, and it's not this you only live, live once nonsense. It's, it's not that sort of, I think that's sort of been twisted, mm-hmm. you know, and like uh, into like, oh, so just to do stupid and crazy things. It's, but it's just, but to make 
the fullness, to find the fullness in this existence that we're all a part of. That's such a, that's a beautiful sentiment. I think the exciting thing is to be able to have this conversation about spirituality in a cultural reference. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's the exciting bit because it's, it's not in a self-help section. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like we're you know you know we're we're talking about it in a very cultural, living, live how it can be a part of our lives and how you know I think that's what's exciting that that conversation. Yeah, most um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank well, you for, so much. Thank you for having for us. Me. It was thank so you. nice to chat with you. Pleasure. Follow Wadis Aluwalia's sartorial and philanthropic adventures around the world on Instagram at House of Oris. The music on this podcast comes from Wise Child. Find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash INI Wise Child. If you like what you heard, subscribe to and rate the Jigney Style podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And visit jigneystyle.com for more South Asian arts, culture, and style. You can also find us on social media at Jigney Style. Thanks for listening. <laughs>